Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and this is I Love Basketball. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but, you know, back from the holiday, ready to start the 2021 season. And with that in mind, I'm joined by Anthony Irwin. How are you doing, Anthony? We, we, were, we were expected to work. We, <laughs> we were supposed to be. <laughs> it's... I hope Harrison, he's listening. He, there's no chance he isn't listening, but he'll like drop in and say like, hey guys, you guys are good. Don't worry about recording today. Nobody's going to listen on Thanksgiving. And I'll be like, oh yeah, the show. <laughs> so yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, low key. Uh, not a Podcastless. lot. Podcastless. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not everyone else was podcasts though. I have like just a, a lineup of things still on my feed to listen to. Everyone's just got season previews dropping. So yeah, unlike Harrison, I actually, you know, do my job. So <laughs> I've I've been producing shows all this time. How about that, Harrison? <laughs> well, you know who is uh, coming back to work, actually, is uh, one LeBron James. You may have heard of him. Uh, reigning mm-hmm. finals MVP, uh, from what I understand, has touched a basketball twice this offseason, but has signed on for two more years with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, that was so- not the Shamsarani alert I expected to get regarding the Lakers, but that's the one we got this morning. What were your initial thoughts on that, Anthony? I mean, because it came on the heels of everything in the Clippers organization, <laughs> it was just like, you know, maniacal laughter. Avery's just sitting there looking at me super worried because dad looks like he's having a heart attack laughing at, at, at the entire situation. Had had the Anthony Davis extension come through like right or soon after the LeBron one, I would have just turned into a ball of energy. <laughs> and and floated on into the heavens and Avery would have been stuck here till about six o'clock when Jen got home all by herself. Uh, it was just, I, I think there's a, actually a lot to, to glean from, from this extension, uh, his relationship with the Lakers. He's doing things for the Lakers that he hasn't done at his other stops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given the way, the things we've heard about Boston, things that we've heard about the Clippers and, and the way that uh, things are going there. Uh, I, I think it says quite a bit about the way that stars feel like they're treated in the Lakers organization that LeBron James, like the face of superstar empowerment is willing to forego some of his flexibility uh, because he knows it's, it's a legitimate partnership between him and Jeannie bus and Rob Polinka and the Rambi. Um, it's just, it's, <laughs> It's a great situation. Oh, man. I love turning uh, names that end in S into that plural. It's just (laughs) so much more fun. I think uh, the first time it sort of really entered my lexicon was when uh, Mark Zuckerberg says like the Winklevi in the social network. And like ever since then, like that's just how I think of it. Um, Yeah. 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 I I enjoy saying it just because it always gets a reaction. It really always does, right? I'm not sure if it was just like the the plural name or the fact that the Rambuses are actually, you know, a big part of this partnership. <laughs> and it hasn't been a disaster. That's like, <laughs> it's so crazy to me that like the last thing we'd heard about Kurt Rambus was that he had some unfortunate likes on social media. And then Linda Rambus was this person who 
was super close friends with Jeannie, but is, hasn't really been considered a proven business person mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. And it was one of the knocks on the Lakers organization that they are playing a central role in everything. And we're a championship later. <laughs> we're a championship and, you know, Kurt Rambis was a big part of working out with Rajon Rondo while they were down in Orlando. They had yeah. their own little odd couple thing happening <laughs> away from the bubbles so that Rondo could rehab. It's just, uh, you know, one of the several strange things that has happened this year. But, hey, they worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's go back to that extension for a second. So... Mm -hmm. LeBron had a four-year contract when he signed with the Lakers with an opt-out after year three. Um, we are heading into year three. Mm -hmm. He has decided to forego that option and signed on for an additional two years with no options now. So he is locked in through 2022-23, which means he will have spent five years as a Laker. Um, he's getting paid a pretty penny for that extension. Let's make that clear. It's another two years for 85 million from what was reported. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard that there is a possibility that it gets even higher than that, like potentially up to 87, which good for you, LeBron, you know, cash those yeah. checks. So. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously all very well-deserved, but like you mentioned earlier, this is something that's a little bit different from LeBron's pattern, uh, mostly in his Cleveland days, because he signed a long-term deal when he went to Miami and he opted mm -hmm. out after four years. Uh, but then when he got to Cleveland, it was a series of one-year contracts and mm -hmm. he did not have that when he came to the Lakers, he immediately signed that four-year deal and whether, you know, it's because they just won a championship or, you know, he feels confidence in the direction that Rob Palinka and the rest of the front office pursued this off season, which I know, I don't know if we've specifically talked about, but like generally very positive reviews of what the Lakers have done this off season. Yep. Uh, he felt, you know, committed to two more years, at least with this organization, which will take him till age 38, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to say that that means LeBron plans to retire as a Laker because truthfully, I have no idea what his body is capable of. I don't think anybody knows what his body is capable of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, we're gonna it's find a sizable out. commitment. <laughs> at some point, we're going to find out that he is like a literal different species and he's just not going to age. You know, he and Bronny are going to be playing in 2085 somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, the, you know, I, I, you, you cover the Clippers. You're, you're very uh, knowledgeable about, about that situation. And one of the things that I've been thinking about quite a bit, and actually Matt Moore and I talked about it on, on locked on today was this juxtaposition of the headlines today between the Clippers and the response to preferential treatment there with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, we didn't like this was this happened after Matt in my conversation, but apparently Paul George went out and dumped on Doc Rivers for some reason. With, yeah, he's got an all the smoke podcast coming out next week, which he had plenty yeah. of smoke. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he all does. all the smoke. And so and then, um, you know, so you have things going on with the Clippers and then you get this from the Lakers and like we know that LeBron gets a ton of special treatment from the Lakers, him and Anthony Davis were going so far as to uh, decide when the Lakers were going to practice kind of sort of how they were going to practice. Uh, we know that he has had immense impact on the rosters that the Lakers have put together over his time with the organization. And, and yet like you don't, you don't get so much of the, negativity in response to that preferential treatment that we're getting here with Kawhi. And I've been trying to pick my brain and, and obviously pick Matt's about it too. He had a few theories. I'm curious, like given the fact you were closer to the Clippers than either Matt or I, I'm curious, like 
why do you think the preferential treatment that Kawhi received and that Paul George received was so ill-received from everybody else seemingly in the organization? And yet the way that LeBron is handled in LA and even AD was handled last year, right? Too. We didn't Mm -hmm. want to play the five and he didn't have to play the five as much in the regular season. And yet like there wasn't so much, you know, negativity in response to that. What's your theory on, on the difference there? So I have a couple of responses to that. Uh, The first is I think that the 2019, 20 Clippers are closer kind of a closer analog to the 2018-19 Lakers when LeBron came in and joined all the kids. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because this year with the Lakers, LeBron was already uh, established. You know, we brought in a lot of new players into this team with Danny Green and uh, Dwight Howard and, you know, a bunch of other free agents came in to join this team, but LeBron had already been there. So the the culture they were theoretically developing started with LeBron and then worked outwards. Whereas with the Clippers, um, they had their culture, right? With Montrezl Harrell and Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. And then they added in the superstars. So it's slightly different scenario where the superstar came second with the Clippers. And then he was already there with the Lakers because they literally cleared out everybody else who had predated him. Um, and that's why I think uh, it was easier for the Lakers to just sort of go with LeBron's footprint, whereas it was harder for the Clippers to completely, you know, just, see to all of Kawhi's demands because there were a lot of guys who had been there longer than him and who had achieved some measure of success without him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing I think about that is that I'm not so sure that Kawhi is really the problem with the Clippers. It seemed to me that the problem was the preferential treatment that Paul George was getting. Mm-hmm. And you can give Kawhi some preferential treatment because they did that in Toronto and they got a championship out of it. He's a two-time champion, a two-time finals MVP. LeBron, obviously, very decorated resume. You give him that treatment. What really has Paul George done to get mm. that level of, you know, some Gatorade commercials. <laughs> a really nice Gatorade commercial. I like that commercial. Yeah. But Documentary producer. You no, know, yeah, he had a lot of success with Indiana. But that last trip to the conference finals was in 2014. You know, mm-hmm. ever since he's come to the Western Conference, he has not won a playoff series. I mean, this the first one he did was this year with the Clippers. Uh, he hasn't really shown that he's capable of being a number one guy. Obviously, he didn't have to be with the Clippers, but he was asking for the respect and like, you know, from what I understand, the perks that come from being a number one guy. So that seems to me like where the difference was. It wasn't so much like mm. why I was getting this because like there were stories written about how Toronto was having difficulty, you know, uh, assimilating Kawhi into their culture because they had a bunch of guys who had been fairly successful. You know, they'd been in the conference finals a couple of times. They'd obviously run into LeBron all of those times and that's where their undoing came. But like there was a bit of a adapting period that had to go through there. And like, there were complaints about how he was being treated relative to the rest of the team, but winning kind of cures all of those headaches. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Clippers didn't win. And I don't think it's an accident that we've gotten like two of these bombshell reports about the Clippers after they lost because it probably all would have been covered up had they just managed to win that series against the Nuggets. Yeah. That was one of the responses that I saw from a lot of like Clippers Twitter today was that like, if, if they just don't blow a three, one lead that none of this stuff comes up and it's, and it's not obviously not received the same way. Uh, But, you know, I, I think my one issue with that is it's, it's, it's really reductive, Mm -hmm. right? Like this stuff is, a big reason why they blew that three, one lead. <laughs> so to, so 
you know, I don't, I don't know how you balance all of that out. I think that's a great point about Paul George and the lack of relative success and, and the demands, despite the lack thereof. And, you know, I, I think it was, it's interesting that on the heels of that, with that being your theory of it, that he would go out there and, and, and drop the bombshells about Doc Rivers, how they weren't practicing when the I'm timing sure. is just incredible because yeah. there's no way that like, this podcast is supposed to drop on December 10th, right? This is just like a tease they've dropped on YouTube. So yeah. like, did the HBO guys like think, oh, this story just came out. This is really good timing for yeah. us. Or <laughs> We got, we got to ride this wave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's funny though, because like, I, I think when, when I think about Paul George and, and he just says stuff like this is, this is now a running joke amongst anybody who has covered this guy for any length of time or paid attention to him for any length of time mm-hmm. that, He's like Michael Scott, where sometimes he starts a sentence and you don't know where it's going to wind <laughs> up at the end of it. And and I think he keeps on getting himself in trouble in that because it's fine. I, I open, open my mouth and I have no idea where I'm going with it when I when I start a lot of times. But like you have to have a a modicum of self-awareness. And I think I, I, I it's not just that I think he lacks self-awareness, but I I think he lacks self self self-understanding where I don't really know that he knows who he is and who he's trying to please and all of that. He says stuff. And I think he thinks it's like the thing that the people in the room with him want to hear, but he doesn't realize that a lot of times when an athlete speaks, it's going to make its way out of that room, you know? And, and, you know, when I heard his comments today and I, I hear that yet some of it is coincidence that we're hearing that on the heels of the stuff that we heard today, but when I think of when I think of what the Clippers lacked, and you know, now getting back to where the Lakers are at now, with with especially now with this extension until the lack of the Clippers culture or the clash really of the Clippers culture, where I I don't blame Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams and and the rest of that squad that won forty eight wins the year prior for saying we had plenty of success. Like this was, and it was probably the most fun that any of those guys have ever played basketball. That was some it was of the, just a really good team to watch. I had such yeah. a fun time covering them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure like all those guys who had never had roles like that in the NBA looked at that, enjoyed that immensely. It was one of my theories heading into the, the Paul George Kawhi Leonard experience was how are those guys going to handle this? Because they're going to have diminished roles. And if, winning and winning a lot isn't the result of those diminished roles they're going to be like this isn't that different from results wise from what we were doing that year prior and that was a lot more fun can we just go back to that and you can't just go back to that once that toothpaste is out of the thing out of the tube you can't and i think with the lakers you know and here with 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 lebron there's there's plenty of reason to be dubious of the clutch relationship mm-hmm. with with the lakers organization some could say it's a, a it reminds me frankly of the Yankees uh relationship with man there's a baseball agent whose name I always Scott forget. Boris there you go there you go yeah. it's it's a, it's a lot like that it's it, and and needs to point out though that that was a really good stretch of Yankees baseball when Scott Boris was guiding all of his best free agents to the Yankees and they were able to rip off a few titles and you know, I, I think with the difference here between the Lakers situation and 
the Clipper situation is that you do have a whole bunch of people from the clutch agency and there is a, a different bond between guys who share an agent like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think LeBron being willing to show any kind of willingness whatsoever to be a teammate to those guys while like, yes, I, I think Kawhi deserves preferential treatment, but you have to earn some of it too. Like not just in terms of the wins prior to that, but like if you're going to be seen as the guy, the face who gets all this pre- uh, preferential treatment, you have to be willing to like, like your teammates. <laughs> you, you have to, you have to like show that you're willing to be a decent human being to them. And, and uh, LeBron has kind of figured that out. Everybody knows he wields the power in the room, but he does seem to really enjoy being a teammate. We're waiting on that from Kawhi and, and, you could probably make the argument we're really waiting on that with any kind of substance with, with Paul George. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier that LeBron is the face of player empowerment in the NBA. And I wonder if he's just so much better than any of these other guys that he's created like an unsustainable target, you know, to try to get to because Mm -hmm. LeBron can, you know, demand preferential treatment and, you know, get, all of his agents, clients, you know, on the same team and negotiate contracts seem a little bit ridiculous for role players. And it's okay (laughs) because he's LeBron James and he's, you know, one or two among the greatest players of all time. And he wins you titles and he sells you jerseys and he sells you tickets. And he is worth every amount of drama that comes into the LeBron James experience. And I'm sure, you know, Pat Riley would agree with that. And um, Dan Gilbert and David Griffin would agree with that in Cleveland. Like it's, it's okay when it's LeBron James but if you're catering your whole team around a guy who's just not just a little bit worse than LeBron James, not you know? LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's James Harden, where you make everything in Houston go around, like what James, how he, he can't get through a screen. So you play an entire switching defense and mm-hmm. then he wants to just isolate. So he doesn't want anybody in the paint. So you get rid of all your centers. Like mm-hmm. it, it works if the guy is historically great, like LeBron mm-hmm. James, if he is that level, but there is nobody else at his level. So you cannot apply the same template of how you deal with LeBron James to other guys who are just simply not as good as him. Yeah. I, I think that's part I, of it. I, it's a huge part of it. It's the inherent problem with the max contract, right? right? Because every player who reaches like everybody, every player who is the best player on their team for any length of amount of time thinks that they are worth a max contract. But like if you, this is hugely reductivist. I, I, and, and I, I get it if you're listening to this and you're kicking your radio or whatever, <laughs> but by definition inherently of a max contract, only one person deserves that contract at any given time. And you can extend that out maybe to two or three, maybe with, you know, depending on when Kevin Durant is healthy, right. when Giannis is healthy, Maybe Steph, uh, though I, I, I'm a little lower on, on Steph than most. With LeBron, like the fact that he gets paid the same amount of money as James Harden, the, the, the fact that, uh, and, and, you know, teams will try to make up for the fact that these guys are all making the same amount of money with power in the, in the organization. Well, if LeBron is wielding that amount of power, then again, athletes being hugely competitive are going to say, well, I'm the best player on my team. I should hold that same amount of power too, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't James Harden. Shouldn't, <laughs> you know, it's the, the, the Kawhi Leonard probably shouldn't uh, Paul George definitely shouldn't. <laughs> and, and, and I think 
the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's the largest market inefficiency you can have is when you have a max player who actually lives up to a max contract on the court and in the organization, all these guys live up to a max contract in terms of generating revenue. Right. That's not, that's not the question whatsoever. It's in a competitive, uh, in a competitive league where these guys are going directly against each other only one, two, maybe three guys are going to be worth that max contract. And, and the Lakers have one of those guys might have two because of, uh, because of LeBron's impact on Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis's impact on, on what LeBron can do. And I just don't know how, you know, I, I don't know how anybody, any team in the league competes against a team that definitely has one might have two of those guys. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure either, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think this is a good time to take a break. And then when we'll come back, we'll talk about specifically what this extension means for the Lakers. All right, we're back. Uh, LeBron James just signed a two-year $85 million extension. It's just an incredible number, really. Like I, I didn't put the number in the headline at first. And then like my editor was like, I, I think we should put the number. Like it's a pretty big number, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he's going to be a Laker for another three seasons at least. Um, and it comes at a time when his co-star, Anthony Davis, still hasn't signed a contract to rejoin the Lakers this season. <laughs> Technically, uh, training camp has begun. Um, individual workouts are taking place at the Lakers practice facility, I, I think. I've seen Montrose Harrell on Instagram several times. I assume the other guys are also there. Mm-hmm. But do you think that there was any part of LeBron that was like, hey, AD, just do it already? <laughs> Was that any part of the timing of this extension? I, I don't think it was that. I, I think what it does do, though, is a, we've heard this with LeBron throughout his career, where Superstar X is thinking about joining LeBron Team Y. And uh, the one of the holdups is they aren't sure, because of the one-on-one situation, how long LeBron's going to be there. And I do think... This is LeBron sending a message to Anthony Davis and to everybody else in the league. I'm going to be a Laker for the foreseeable future. You guys want to win championships. You guys want to, you know, you guys want to really do this thing. You know, I am fully committed to the situation. And that, you know, we talked about the immense uh, advantage that the Lakers have in having LeBron James in and of himself. Like, even if it was a one-on-one situation, still, it would still be still an LeBron immense <laughs> advantage. This is that to the nth degree because they have LeBron James. The league knows they have LeBron James and the league knows that LeBron believes in this organization, which you couldn't say about the, the Dan Gilbert Cavs. You could say about the Miami Heat. I think he really trusted Pat Riley to help him be successful. And Mm -hmm. he was a few cramps away from winning, you know, potentially three championships in a row. So I understand, you know, why he was hesitant to, to offer the same kind of uh, security to, to the Cavs and less so with the the heat, but now with the Lakers, this is LeBron, by the way, saying to a whole bunch of people who are very new to their jobs Jeannie Buss hasn't been in the role that she currently holds for much more than a handful of years. Right. I think it's right. about three years. Yeah. Yeah. And the Rob Polenka is in, is heading into year two. Uh, Frank Vogel is heading into year two with the Lakers. Uh, this is the, you know, this is still a relatively young organization and LeBron just threw his, is his, all of his weight behind it. 
And I think it's easier for him to do because of the clutch relationship. I think it's easier. Like he now kind of gets to own the Lakers without paying the bills. <laughs> That's you know, so weird. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to, you know, pay the electricity bill. Doesn't have to worry about paying player salaries. Like he gets to now be the dude with the organization and has his pick of the litter when it comes to role players. Like we saw the offseason that the Lakers had and I don't see any reason why that's going to change anytime soon now that he has this contract. Right. I think you make a really good point about how him being here makes it an even more desirable market for free agents because, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in the context of like how long contracts are currently in the NBA and how quickly teams turn over three years seems like an eternity. Like LeBron's only been here for two (laughs) and he's added two more. So that's like, he's going to be here for longer than he already has been, which just seems remarkable because it feels like he's been here forever now. Like he's, he's a guy, he's a Laker. It's, it's done, you know, but um, I I did think it was interesting just the Anthony Davis of it all, because not that I don't think that like Davis is going to sign a contract with the Lakers. I think the Knicks are the only team that have enough money to currently sign him. And I'm sure other teams would make money, just like stretching contracts galore. But (laughs) um, it is interesting. And just in terms of like how Anthony Davis approaches his next deal, because I know there's been a lot of, theorizing that he would time his free agency to match up with LeBron's so that they could hit the market together. Um, not so that they could leave the Lakers together, but so that they could potentially create enough cap room for the Lakers to draw another star. You know, I, I, Giannis is going to be a free agent next year. I'm sure we'll, we've talked about that plenty, but um, what this extension does is number one, I, I think it takes the Lakers out of the honest sweepstakes. Like, I don't think they have enough room now to get another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it to also just, out right, to- right. It also just tells, you know, LeBron's like basically telling AD, like I'm here now you can stay here for the long haul. And the two of us is enough, right? Like we've proven yeah. it's enough. Um, but now you have no, nothing to worry about, right? Like I'm here. So just, you can, time your next contract with however it works, like with the salary cap, I'm sure he'll want to like get to 10 years now so he can get that 35% max the next time he signs. But if there were any concerns on Anthony Davis's part, this should alleviate all of them, right? Oh, absolutely. It's also, it's also another chapter in this debate where should a team try to get three like try to max out their all of their salary and the allocation of the resources to having three superstars mm-hmm. or are you better off having two superstars and then a deep roster of very good role players to surround them and you know i i think this is one of those this could be lebron basically saying we don't need a third guy we could get one like we'd be interested if Giannis wants to come here and we sure. could see what that looks like i'm sure he wouldn't turn him away but we just saw what the Lakers did with LeBron AD and a whole bunch of really good role players who were all very bought into their roles. I, I, I couldn't blame, I wouldn't blame LeBron for saying, no, let's just keep doing this. this yeah. <laughs> that was a fun I like season. having, you know, eight other guys who can play. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I enjoy that. I could, you know, especially this year, he's going to be able to go to the bench and watch really good basketball from back there. That that's not been something he's been able to say. He, he couldn't say that in Miami that he, when, when during the, the, the Heatles era, mm-hmm. like when he would go to the bench there, or if he and Wade went to the bench, it, it was just, who Mario Chalmers time, I guess, yeah. you know, he couldn't do that and in Cleveland. They were couldn't like, do that in Cleveland when he had Kyrie and Kevin love, mm-hmm. but this year he now is looking at it and he's saying now 
you know, it's different when you're talking about on a nightly basis in the regular season versus in the postseason, mm-hmm. right? It'd be interesting if the Lakers under this construction, this roster construction construction were to meet a team, say Harden went to Brooklyn right. and they had to go up against Harden Brooklyn, uh, Harden Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Uh, that'd be, that'd be a really fun kind of practical evidence of, of what that, right. uh, that would actually look like. But, you know, I think, I, I really think the way that last year went and uh, compared to what some of his years prior went when he had two other superstars next to him, he kind he might've been looking at this and saying, look, if we can get a third guy, great. If not, Anthony Davis and I are plenty. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's not like the consolation prize there is 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 a giant step back. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I I just wanted to touch on is I had no idea that the Lakers were even thinking about this or that LeBron was even thinking about yeah. extension, right? It's just it's so like anathema to me that LeBron wouldn't prioritize his flexibility and his mm-hmm. personal, you know, ability to make decisions. Like it had not entered my thought process that LeBron would consider an extension. So I was I thought it was a typo. I was blown <laughs> away by this. <laughs> I thought Shams had the wrong guy. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I mean, just that LeBron would have this level of faith in the organization that he would sacrifice something that appears to be so important to him. Like he mm-hmm. loves to have control, you know, not, not in a bad way, just like that's how he operates. He likes to be the one at the helm, you know, dictating what happens and he's sacrificing some of that. It's just, there, there really must just be a ton of trust between him and the Lakers. And to Absolutely. think that we've arrived at this point, you know, after all of the nonsense of last offseason is just a crazy 180. Yeah. Well, I think so. We star empowerment is an imperfect theory right now. I think we're, we're still working on what that what that's actually going to look like when we can stop calling it star empowerment and start actually calling it player empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. We, it's not player empowerment. Like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, <laughs> Josh Hart weren't particularly empowered when the Lakers were dangling them for, for Anthony. No, they were not. <laughs> but but uh, I, I do think, so two of the stories that we've heard that have caught my eye uh, so far this offseason has been Bill Simmons, of all people, saying that Danny Ainge treating every player, regardless star, role player, bench guy, whatever, uh, as an asset might be hurting the Celtics. Um, the stuff that we talked about already with, with, the, uh, with the Clippers, right, where the role players knew it was star empowerment, not player empowerment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think here the interesting thing here with it being with – the Lakers essentially being an extension of clutch or clutch being an extension of the Lakers is that it might make, because, because say like Anthony Davis or, or even Montrez Harrell or KCP feel like an extension of LeBron James, that they might feel somewhat empowered in this, that if they, if they are sent somewhere, the Lakers by way of clutch are going to really be interested in finding the right situation for those guys if they are actually traded away and this, you know, I'm not saying that every team has to line up with, you know, some team has the, the there has to be the CAA team and there has to be the, although there is a CAA team in New York, let's not forget. There that. Is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and we'll see how that goes, honestly, okay. too. You know, that's going to be really interesting to watch as well. And so like, I just think, you know, this might be the closest that we're actually coming here with the Lakers specifically to 
player empowerment uh, to, to seeing what, what it looks like here. And this is LeBron, like you, you nailed it on the head when you said the reason he is doing this is the trust that he has with the Lakers. He, the only way he had that kind of leverage over the Cavs or over Miami was the threat of him leaving, right? If you don't go get, like, if you don't draft Shabazz Napier, I might be leaving. <laughs> Turned out that wasn't enough to keep him in Miami. <laughs> but for but for here, he doesn't feel the need to do that. He's already seen Rob Polinka, who is a former agent, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes a long way in this in this relationship. That he's seen that Rob Polinka, who has dealt with Kobe, who who Kobe loved and spoke for, uh, he's he he has seen Rob work with Rich Paul and work with LeBron James and work with Anthony Davis to get the something close to the optimal situation for all involved. If, if that's what you've been looking for all along, there's no need to hold any more leverage than you might have to, because then that might rub the organization wrong. The Lakers would then be saying, well, we've given you all of this. Right. Can you, can you give us a little security too? <laughs> and, and now they've really met halfway. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people were making the point today about this being like the Kobe contract. And that this is the Kobe contract coming full circle. LeBron doesn't have a blown Achilles this is a little different. LeBron is also like a different player at the stage of his career than Kobe was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not willing to go that far, but I, I, I do think it. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I do think that the Kobe thing, like, you know, helped get LeBron here. It does. It does. And and I think that's where, that's where I would agree with the theory, right. Or, or the analysis that like, this is the Lakers, you know, living up to their reputation that, uh, you know, I, I, I'll say it. I was just, flat wrong when I criticized the Kobe contract because, uh, you know, we had seen the, you know, just treasure chests of assets that Danny Ainge got when he sent away Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And, and, you know, I thought at that time, well, look at the, look at the, the strides ahead of the Lakers that Boston finds himself in because they didn't tie themselves to the end of those guys' careers. But, what that analysis misses is that this is a star league and all these guys talk to each other. And uh, I'm sure that a bunch of stars out there, as we were heading towards this era of asset management and uh, asset uh, hoarding that we are, that we find ourselves in, we were just, you know, people were ranting and raving at Sam Presti having like a zillion picks over the next five years. It's like, that's great. That's cool and all, but, but I think what's more valuable for those for those markets that can uh, attract stars is that those those markets have reputations for treating those stars right. And I think I think that got LeBron here, and I think this is the Lakers saying once again, not very many organizations would feel all that comfortable paying eighty five mil to a guy approaching forty. You know. It, this is the Lakers saying, you know what, we're, we're committed to this guy so long as he's committed to us. And that's, that should be the relationship that stars have with their organizations. It's, I mean, it's interesting you bring up Boston. I, I used to think of uh, the Lakers comparatively with San Antonio at the time, because Duncan was approaching the twilight of his career at the same time that Kobe was. And I never thought that the Lakers were going to trade Kobe, but I did think that they could, you know, negotiate some discounts with him like yeah. San Antonio did with Duncan. Mm-hmm. And that obviously allowed them to bring in a lot of players to help him, you know, towards the end of his career. But now I wonder if like San Antonio was the right model for how to approach stars because we saw one guy force his way out of there and nobody yeah. seems to want to join them there. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, it was a very expensive deal to give to Kobe. It, you know, set the Lakers back a little bit, but I, I think it just, it fit with their values. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't the smartest on-court play and it wasn't the smartest on-court play. Let's, there's yeah. no maybe there. It was not, yeah. but um, they had a direction, you know, they had a guiding philosophy there and they went with it and it eventually paid back five or some years later, but. Yeah, um, and, and like, to be clear, while Genie is super, was always very close with Kobe, that was a different front office that did that. And uh, this isn't to say that like, you know, this, this front office deserves all of the reputation that was built over prior front offices, mm-hmm. but it is, it is somebody in Genie Bus who is very devoted to running an organization the way that she thinks her father would have. And like nepotism is a me like a, a giant concern country ride where, where, where these giant companies are just promised to uh the kids Mm -hmm. and and it has probably set some industries back a little bit when it doesn't work out as well but every so often sometimes it works out right sometimes the prince or the princess is actually worthy of the kingdom whenever they're whenever they're the king or the queen passes away and i think you know if that is the case here with with genie bus that's another giant uh inherent advantage that the Lakers have over a lot of these uh, other organizations that might eventually pass down to daddy's kid. Yeah. It's a good thing that, you know, uh, Jerry Buss had so many children that he could, you know, have the black sheep like Jim and still have a good one like <laughs> Jenny to run things. As, uh, as somebody who is the oldest and, and mom and dad kept trying afterwards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand why that happens sometimes. <laughs> All right. Um, just one last thing to close on. Uh, I didn't think of this when the contract was originally signed, but it was brought up almost immediately afterwards that if the NBA abolishes the one and done rule that, Bronny James will be eligible for the NBA draft in 2023 when LeBron James is scheduled to become a free agent. Do you think there was any consideration on LeBron's part for timing his availability with his sons? Of course. Yeah. I I, I really do. I You think of, like, think about how proud you would be if your kid was a professional athlete, mm-hmm. right? And then think about the idea that you could be able to play with your kid. Like I've Avery has done live reads with me on my show. If she's ever like one day, a really good podcaster, I think it would be really cool for, for her and I to be able to do this together. And, and like podcasting is like a zillionth as cool as, as being an NBA player. So uh, I, you know, I remember, I remember back when, uh, King Griffey Sr. and King Griffey Jr. had that, that game really where they cool. both homered, yeah. you know, like that's just, I'm sure for, for both of those guys, that's one of their all-time favorite sports moments. Didn't even have anything to do with the championship. It was mm-hmm. just, I'm sure, one of their favorite moments in 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 their own personal histories. So if if LeBron can have a version of that, especially playing for the Lakers, if that's how it actually goes, like one thing is really going to be interesting is how, how high un- do you draft Bronny James <laughs> if it means you can lure a LeBron over? Well, that that too. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Lakers 2020, what would it be? 23, 2023 yeah. pick. I wonder if they have it. I think it's like top be a eight swap. protected or something. And like New yeah. Orleans can, yeah. I don't, maybe it was uh, 21, 22, actually. Maybe well, they do it, have the 23 pick. <laughs> It's going to be it's going to be really interesting as we come closer to that draft 
if the Lakers just take it off the table altogether. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, no, you could keep Giannis, hold on a season. We'll trade for you later when, when it's not this pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I just think it'd be so funny that like if LeBron was just hell bent on playing with his son and you have like the number one pick in the draft, are you thinking like, <laughs> is it worth it to take He's Brian? like a late second rounder. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you're a small market, you absolutely do it, it's, by the way. Give like, it a shot. Why not? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll have 45 year old LeBron James on my team. If I'm if I'm like uh, if I'm the San Antonio Spurs and or the oh, my God, the Rockets, LeBron would never play for Frutita. But his his broke ass like he would he would do whatever it took to get LeBron James. He would he, can we can I use two first rounders on LeBron? Like, do, you, do you have another kid that I could eventually be able to bring over here too? Like I I I could totally see it would be a very smart business decision by whoever does it to just promise LeBron in free agency we're taking your kid no matter how high we have to take them how crazy a reach it is because. Uh, we, we, we it's probably see... a good thing that the draft is before free agency at that point yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah. not actually i don't know <laughs> well like we've seen the impact even a diminished lebron had on the lakers right that first season was in inarguable disaster it was mm-hmm. just it was not great from a basketball standpoint but it also brought them a step closer to having anthony davis and then winning a championship so if you're some small market and you never are going to have access to LeBron James under any normal circumstances, you one zillion percent ch- you reach for Bronny if it means you get LeBron. <laughs> well, the good news is, is that the Lakers don't have to engage in any sort of shenanigans. They have LeBron James for another three years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't, I don't care if the guy has not touched a basketball more than twice during the off season or that he's just like downing tequila on that podcast episode. <laughs> Still pretty good. <laughs> Uh, and I am looking forward to seeing what age 36 LeBron has in store for us. Absolutely. I, I'm now curious, like, do you think, cause LeBron has like 0% fat on him, right? It's, I don't, I don't know how he like metabolizes all that alcohol. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I, I've, I've always been like, so Michael Jordan, like by all accounts can just drink everybody under a table. It's just, he's that mm-hmm. competitive that even if he was sloshed, nobody would know because he refuses to. Uh, do so until everybody else in the room is 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 lying on the on the ground but i kind of wonder oh my god Woj, uh houston has agreed to trade russell westbrook to washington for john wall and a first round pick what <laughs> dang uh, russell westbrook on the wizards i love it <laughs> wow um well I guess they're not, that makes it more likely they'd move Harden, doesn't it? Mm. I don't know. I, I kind of like Wall. Yeah. I mean, now they have somebody who's going to sell tickets. So like that isn't maybe as important. I, th- I still think if they were to move Harden, Fertitta's uh, stubborn enough not to send him to Brooklyn. Yeah. Especially because he wants to go there. That's right. Yeah. But like, is this enough now for for Tita to say okay to a Harden for Ben Simmons trade, you know, and send him to, to Philly. Cause I don't think, I don't, I don't think, think he, uh, for Tita is going to trade with Daryl Morey. I don't think he is, uh, he's that, too stubborn for that. Maybe, maybe, but like, if that's the closest thing you're going to get to the trade package that you want and mm-hmm. it, 
Like, who do you think he's more angry at, Daryl Morey or James Harden? It's an excellent question. Um, one that maybe another podcast can discuss. We're going to be here another 45 minutes. <laughs> um, this has been I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. The Lakers have LeBron James. It is a good time to be a Laker fan. We hope that you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for coming on, Anthony. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah.